Throne of Amber is a production of Simulacra Studios. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash simulacrastudios. Also, please give us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. Now, let's get back to the story. Imogen. Uh, so you had recently had a conversation with Fiona. It was getting on to late evening, and she had recommended that for the training and attunement she was going to lead you through that you get some rest. Is that what you're going to be doing? Yeah. Or do you have other plans? Yeah, she's going to just go back to her room. Um, she'll probably collect um, Nor, her owl, um, who's been kind of hanging out in Amber um, and keeping an eye on things, although I don't think nor saw anything particularly interesting. Funny you should mention that. Uh, when you basically have a moment alone, Noir does swoop in through a window and land on your shoulder. Chipper, chittering gives you a, a nice light nip uh, just to, to greet you. And when you're in your rooms, uh, you begin to have sort of a simpatico connection as Noir begins to sort of feed you its impressions that it's been gathering while it's been in the castle and, and around Amber while you've been gone. And your, your suspicion is mostly correct. There hasn't been much that it's picked up on. The way it gives you information, it's, it's sort of subverbal. It's more impressions, feelings. Um, the, the sort of the most dominant means is you get sort of a psychic air currents. Uh, that that's how it sees the world in, majorly, and you know there's a good chunk of time that it's conveying to you, and there are a few sort of noisy spots uh, in it, which you would have to sort of meditate on and focus on to try and get any fine-grained detail as you're getting ready to to get your rest, and that's up to you whether you want to do that or not. Yeah, I think um, I'll go ahead and do that just because there's no point in having left the owl behind if I wasn't actually going to follow up on that information. Okay. So as you're sort of, it's, it's you know, it's very easy for you to do this as you're sort of getting in to, to take your rest um, because it's it's similar to you have to get into a meditative mindset to, to really sift over it. Uh, and most of what's going on is sort of very low-level stuff, not, nothing intensely magical or, or psychic in nature. Uh, every now and then you get sort of this rainbow titter that you are fairly certain is a trump call from not too terribly far away. Uh, but there are two main sort of noisy times. Uh, one that you sort of associate with Max and his, his chambers, because uh, you also get a lot of locational information. Uh, and then another longer but uh, more intense, prolonged period uh, near the throne room, which you actually, through through probably some prodding and some training, you've actually recognized that this has something to do with, with Cammy. So which, well, you would need to focus in on that either one specifically to get more detail. Well, more than likely she's going to focus on Cammy because obviously they're, they're not 
the best of friends. So obviously, so yeah, you you sort of focus in on that, and you sort of enter into a deeper simpatico with Noir, and right off the bat, the first thing you can detect this was something Trump related, uh, because it has that very characteristic rainbow taste to it, and you get the sensation that there was a very long Trump contact. Not so much in that the call itself was very long, but there was a lot of effort put behind making the connection. And as you're focusing in and focusing in, you don't really, you don't get like what the conversation was or who it was with. It's more about feeling, but you do sense something sort of underlying that you've come to recognize as the essence of chaos, of being involved in that. And that's really all the detail that you can get from that. Okay. Um, is it possible for me to to only do one, or can I... No, you, okay. you have you have, you have have all the time in the world. All right, I will also then focus on the one with Max's chambers as well. Okay, that has much more of a feeling of sorcery to it. You sense, actually, the, the workings of multiple sorcerers performing not very intense spell work, but steady spell work like i said you get you get there's a there's a couple of cooks in that pie going on and it's like i said it's not very intense it's not very power not a lot of power behind it but more subtle subtle maneuverings of sorcery seem to have gone along in and around his chambers for about an hour interesting um i think I think I'm actually going to leave my chambers and head toward his just to see if I can use some of my ability, sorceress abilities, to figure out exactly what type of sorcery work has gone on there. Okay. Yeah, you, you head over there. Uh, no one's there at the moment. It's The, the chambers are empty. Uh, Max, would you leave any sort of protections or uh, booby traps or anything in your chambers while you're away? Is that is that his style? Um, not, not exceptionally, like, he's not a super private person, doesn't really have, at least he really hasn't had the time to accrete many secrets. Um, in all mm-hmm. likelihood, the main things that he would set up would basically just be kind of like a logging system. Like, somebody mm-hmm. came in at this time, roughly, or anything like that, just to see if anybody had been fucking around in there. Right, okay. So, yeah, you, you head into his chambers, uh, and Nora's with you. The owl helps you actually quite a bit because it you know it sensed this at first so it's sort of pointing things out uh, that you can examine um, all magic leaves traces uh, you're able to just you know weaving a very low-key spell yourself to just sort of pick up on the nature of the magic it seems like there was for lack of a better term uh, some sort of scrying magic done some sort of a degree of alchemy was performed. You see sort of traces both in the physical and in the, ma- in the magical spectrum of things. You get the overall sensation that they, whoever did this was trying to find something out. Okay, interesting. Um, I will just take my findings and head back to my room then. Okay. As you're heading back, Noir sort of starts to chirp a little bit, sort of hop, like it's sensing something, but nothing is really, but it's not like picking up on anything distinct. 
It just sort of gives you this kind of nervous vibe to it. Where am I in the castle? Like, am I in the corridor outside my room? Am I still... In... Yeah, you're... You're in the corridor outside your room when this really starts to pick up. Like, it, it may be a few nervous chirps along the way, but as you're getting closer to your chambers, it picks up. It never really reaches any sort of alarming level. And while, basically, while you get to your chamber, it just sort of dies down a little bit. Um, I'm actually going, since there was some sort of sorcery worked on Max's room, I'm going to try to examine mine and see if there's something similar on my room. Okay, you do a very similar process there's not mm, you're not detecting anything sorceress um, but you you do see little spikes of energy just sort of rippling in general it's very low level very you there's something off about it it's it's indistinct and causes a small twitch when you really focus on it. Okay. Um, and there's nothing else that, that Noor can tell me? No. It, it Either either whatever it was detecting has started to die down, or Noir has just gotten used to it. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to actually go sleep in another guest room, <laughs> just to okay. be on the safe side. <laughs> yeah, assuming that you keep your senses open... Um, it actually doesn't seem to be associated with your room in particular. It seems to be a general phenomenon. But it's, oh. even oh, even okay. as you go, it dies down and dies down and dies down. But it's not locational. But once you're sort of getting getting truly ready for bed, neither you nor Noir seem to be able to detect it. Okay, well, um, I will at least try to get some sleep like was recommended, but um, I will probably not rest as easy as I normally would have. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, all right, so you, you be actually actually bed down for the evening and, and get your, your beauty sleep. Bordishan, so you're in Ganesh. Uh, for the last couple of hours, there has been uh, the arrival of various clan leaders uh, and their retinues in this sort of grand yurt that the, your your friend and and mentor amongst the Moonriders has for himself. And you know, an oxen has been slaughtered. Uh, you know, various various meals have been served. Various pipes and and smoking implements uh, are alight. Um, and as is the way of things, business is happening very slowly. Uh, you know, everyone kind of knows why they're why they're there. There's a lot of ritualism and protocol that must be followed as each clan head comes in and and finds a seat around the fire. I'll take my place around the fire and get ready for the ceremonies. Absolutely. And ceremonies is almost too big of a word for it. It's more like custom. Uh, like it's it's more like little things that you have to do to ensure that the 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 fortune of the the gathering is is well. But one thing you notice throughout all of this, one of the clan, not a clan leader, but sort of a champion of one of the clans, from from the moment she came in, has been staring daggers at you. Do I recognize her? Uh, you do. Uh, she is, like I said, the champion of one of the clans. You. 
probably don't have a great relationship with with them because they were you that clan was particularly aggrieved by the defeat by Amber. But yeah, throughout the whole thing, uh, she has been doing two things: staring daggers at you and uh, and feeding children at her breast. Have I ever interacted with her before? You've maybe shared ten words with her in your lifetime. Daggers. Every now and then a child gets swapped out. You know that there is a time for grievances such as what she obviously has to be aired and dealt with. And that that time is coming soon. I'll turn to my friend and ask him about the one staring daggers at me. If she lost a loved one or something like that in the war with Amber. He, he pulls long on his pipe and thinks for a moment, and he says, Well, uh, it's hard to say, it's hard to, to know a clan that did not lead, uh, did not lose many sons and daughters fighting Oberon. But, uh, I, I believe she lost a brother and a, and a wife or two. Well, I'll smoke and drink and talk with those that I know while I'm waiting for everything to progress as intended. Mm -hmm. So, not long after that, uh, it comes time for you to speak to all the clan leaders about why you have brought them. Place of note is cleared for you, where all can see you and you can see all by the light of the fire. Um, like, there's a grand, like, opening and closing of various flaps so that the smoke can, can leave the room so that everyone can see clearly. And then you are given the floor. My brothers and sisters, I thank you all for joining me here today. All of you here today have proven your greatness in the past, with most of you wearing the hide of the moon beast you slew. Many other dangers you have faced and returned alive, but there's another beast that has arisen lately. Have any of you fought a dragon? Uh, a few heads have, have nodded and, and, you know, scars are shown. An even greater dragon arose recently, no doubt more deadly than the ones you few have faced before. It took the combined might of many of my other family members to slay it, and it caused great damage before it was killed. There's laughter. Like, it, that, that's, a, that's a topic of great amusement. But it may not have been alone. There may be more of its kind out there, waiting that sort of gets a, a murmur of, of interest. One of the clan leads says, Mortician, speak plainly. What exactly do you ask of the Moonriders? I need the help they of the Moonriders to, to help each defend other. Amber. There's murmurs of, of conversation. And... Uh, one of the your friend stands by you and says as is tradition before any council or decision is made we must allow those whose blood burns hot at this notion to speak their minds and have their grievances settled are there any among you whose blood burns at the thought of this request and within a heartbeat, uh, the woman stands up, hands the child at her breast to someone else, latches up her, her, her breastplate, and she says, I do. 
And she she comes around the fire and says, You, you who bear the blood of the tyrant Oberon, you would ask the Moonriders to march into that land, into his land, and defend it? You're damned right I would, for the good of Ganesh as well as Amber. She just sort of looks around at the group, incredulous, just a visage of rage on her face. Look, we can dance around this fire with words all night, but if you want to fight, then let's fight. Enough talking. Um, she... Yeah, that is exactly what she wanted to hear. Uh, you, she, she actually, like, smiles at you that there wasn't any further bullshit to, to get to it. Uh, and she, you know, she, she hikes up her, her, uh, her cloak, and she says, You have the strength of the blood of the tyrant in you. I have the strength of Ganesh and the strength of the beast that I slew. If this is to be a true challenge, then you must fight as a child of Amber, not of Ganesh. Remove your cloak. I'll look around the group and see what the reaction is, what they're thinking about her request. It's a reasonable request as far as everyone's concerned. No, I mean, it. It's it's known that the blood of Amber has great strength in it, stronger than, you know any of Ganesh. Uh, it's only because of the, the cloaks of the moon beasts that there's any sort of parity between them. Uh, so it's, it's, you, you get the sensation, it's get the sense that it's considered that's a fair request. Sort of make it as, as even as is possible. I'll remove the hide and give it to Batar to hold on to for the duration of the fight. The, the yurt is opened uh, and uh, not everyone, but just the basically the clan leaders, you and her, are led out under the light of the moon uh, to a, a packed earth circle. Uh, she stands in the center and says, "Let it be. Let it start." I will stand ready, waiting to judge how she starts things off. Either she's waiting for you to make the first move, or she's being very cagey. Is she armed? She bears no weapon that you can see. Uh, there's no, there's no direct protocol about this, but it's a very, it's, it's not a very big circle. So your, your normal, your, your preferred method of combat is probably not going to get you much purchase, just because arrows are kind of clunky in mid range. Okay, I'll disarm myself, setting my bow, arrows, and sword to the side outside of the circle. But I'm going to leave them in range just in case I have to use a weapon later on. How large is the circle? It's about 15 feet uh, in diameter. I'm going to start up the fight, cautious, testing, but I want to see first off if she's actually hiding any weapons on her person. I also want to see how much of a threat she might actually be and test her a bit. How are you doing that? I'll do some testing strikes, attempts at grappling, see how quickly and strongly she reacts. I'll also do them in a way that would make her react such that the cloak would open, and I could see if she's got any hidden weapons under there. 
Okay. Yeah, you you do some testing blows. Uh, the cloak does fly open. You don't see any weapons. Uh, she she sort of responds in kind. She puts a few jabs in, mostly testing. You can tell she's fast, like you know she has the strength of the the strength and speed of the moon beasts uh, on her back, but you're not really sure exactly where you stand. And you're, you you trust in the blood of Amber, but she's a champion, and you know that that means something. I'm going to make a move for grapple, but I'm going to move in such a way so as to try to get her to react in a way that's favorable to me, so so that I can have the upper hand. You make a move, uh, and she responds as you expect. Um, you get her in a in a grapple, but at the last moment she seems to, to move in just the right way so that it's not a total domination move. You're more locked together than in a dominant position. Uh, and you are fully engaged. Like, the two of you are sort of hunched down, hands on each other's shoulders, occasionally grabbing at another piece of the body to, to try and get an advantage. But you are you are engaged, and you can feel her strength. It's not insignificant. Okay, I'm gonna make sure that I have a good grip, and I'm gonna try to throw her. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like across the circle, but maybe something more like a judo throw so I can regain the advantage. You grab her, and you start the throw, and she sort of pushes her weight against you, um, and she is able to transition that momentum, and both of you are basically thrown to your knees in a very sort of off-put, still maintaining the grapple, but you're you're both off-balance. You think she's a little bit more off-balance than you are. Can I headbutt her? Um, yeah, you can, you can go for that. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, at this distance, there's not much that she can do to that other than just sort of, like, try and turn her face a little bit so that you don't so you get the side of her face rather than the full-on full on head. Um, she takes your sort of moment of dazing, uh, the slight daze that you have to inflict upon yourself to do that, to just land a sucker punch in your solar plexus. Um, and so you're both, you're, you're both a little winded uh, after that, and the, the grapple sort of loosens a bit, but still, you've still got hands on each other. So we're both kind of on the ground, but neither is quite in a more dominant position. Yeah, you're down on your knees. Uh, like she's like it's along the lines of you're in a situation where any attempt to sort of get into a better position will leave an opening for the other one. So you kind of settled into that on the knees. Like every now and then one will rise, but then it's it's a very weird balancing act. So she still got a good grip on me, despite the headbutt. Um, yeah, it, she took advantage of your of of your headbutt. Uh, like she's, not, she's like hurt. Like the side of her face is like blood is coming out of her uh, out of her mouth. Like you think you 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 broke a tooth or something with that with that headbutt. Uh, but it's still a headbutt. You still had that moment of daze. So she's still she got her hand back into a in a position. Can I tell what she's planning? 
like, is she trying to overpower me or wear me down? If you had to say, you'd say that you, you she's trying to get you in a position where you feel confident to make a power move. Like, like every now and then she'll, she'll like give a little ground in a very measured way. Uh, but if you don't react exactly right, she, she returns to the position of, of equilibrium. Okay. So based upon the way she's moving, how she advances the fight versus returns to equilibrium, can I tell what move she wants me to do in order for her to make her next move? You think she wants you to try and get her on her back. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit tricky here. Um, I'm going to try and be careful about this, but I, what I want to do is I'm going to do what she expects me to do, but at the last moment I'm going to pull back from my movements so that I don't actually fall into her trap. Okay, so in a very measured, aware way, you basically respond how you think she wants you to act. Um and you basically push her backwards, and you, it, your 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 planning and your foresight lets you pause for a moment, where she expects you to basically take advantage and like get on top of her. You see that she reaches out a hand, so that it is in the moonlight, directly in the moonlight, and when she does that, a dagger appears in it. And, like, she she begins to... She, like, you catch her eye, and she realizes that you're not leaping, and thus, and thus you know, getting, getting her, you in the position for her to stab you in the side. So she starts to scramble backwards a little bit with this dagger in her hand. And it is a pure black dagger. Eyes... Uh, that a natural ability for the Moonriders? Do I know how she did this? You have no, you have no idea how she would have done this. Okay, I left my weapons right outside the circle. Am I near my sword? You are. Okay. She starts to panic. Uh, when you have your sword in your hand, she just rushes at you with this dagger. Uh, in sort of a, a, you can tell it's a desperation move. Like she wanted, she didn't want this dagger to be seen. I'll roll over to my sword and grab it. Weapons it is, he says as he flourishes his sword. So she's going to, she's going to try and use it as much as possible. And now that weapons are involved, uh, you can make this situation however you want it to be. She is nowhere near as fast as you with a blade in your hand than you are. I don't trust that dagger, and I do not want to be cut by it, so I'm going to close with her, and my intent is to cut her hand off so she can't stab me. Absolutely. Uh, you cut her hand off, uh, and she's, blood starts pouring out, and the moment the dagger hits the ground, it uh, lines of silver light start to form around it, uh, and it begins to disintegrate. What are you doing? I'm going to go pick it up by the handle and take a look at it before it disappears. Okay. You pick it up, and in the moments before it disintegrates into rust and light, you see the image of a rampant unicorn etched into the black steel. 
and then it's gone. Once it's completely gone, I'll call out to the witnesses, Someone get her a cauterization for her stump. And that's where we'll leave the story for now. Throne of Amber will return in two weeks for the next chapter. Throne of Amber is a production of Simulacra Studios. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash simulacrastudios. Our patrons receive a whole shadow's worth of supplemental and behind-the-scenes content for all of our other campaigns. If you have questions feedback or just want to say hi you can contact us at simulacra rpgs on twitter we here at simulacra studios and throne of amber love fan art if we've inspired you to create any please tweet it our way and it will likely end up in the illustrated version of this show while you're waiting for the next chapter the cast of throne of amber have some excellent projects that we'd love for you to check out kelly and i co-host a podcast about women in gaming called the glitter dice podcast You can find it on your favorite podcatcher, or you can visit us on GlitterDice.com. If you are interested in hearing more about role-playing games, you can find Scott and I, as well as our good friend Ryan, on the Polyhedron Podcast, where we dig deep into role-playing news, discussion, and hold interviews with gaming industry professionals. You can find it anywhere podcasts are distributed, and check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Polyhedron. Links to those and other exciting projects will be in the show notes. Please check them out. In the meantime, from all of us at Throne of Amber and Simulacra Studios, we'll see you in the shadows. <laughs>